0: Why in your marriage is there not space for your husband or your wife to hug other people? Why is there an automatic assumption that that's being unfaithful? Let's talk about that. Let's have that conversation. In other words, let's move towards being a family.
1: Hello and welcome to another episode of Unsuitable with Mary B. Seyfried, the podcast where Mary B. Seyfried interviews single Christians about their lives and faith as singles in the church. You have probably guessed, I am not Mary B. Seyfried. I am actually guest hosting today. My name is Matt Linden. You may have heard me on a past episode of Unsuitable. And today, I am so excited to be talking to my good friend, Anna who leads the community Single-Hearted Life on Instagram, where she joins with other singles in the church to discuss and address the most pressing issues singles face when trying to find belonging in a church that increasingly doesn't seem to have a place for them. Anna's passion is dismantling myths about marriage and singleness in our society to cultivate a culture where single humans can thrive.
2: Hey, y'all. It's Mary B. I have just a couple things to tell you about before I hand things back over to Matt, First of all, I just wanted to give everyone a heads up that there is a mention of sexual assault and sexual abuse in this conversation. So if that's something that is a trigger for you, just take care while listening or feel free to skip this episode altogether. Also, I wanna tell you about a really cool offer that I have for y'all for the holiday season. The holidays can be a struggle for singles. That's why I wrote The Single Christian's Holiday Survival Guide. It is chock full of chapters on how to appreciate the holidays on your terms. The Single Christian's Holiday Survival Guide is available exclusively in my shop at marybesaferit.com. All right, now let's dive into the conversation.
1: Anna, welcome to the podcast. Hello. Thank you.
0: Hi. It's good to be here.
1: <laughs> so excited to have you here. We are going to be talking today about touch. And specifically, non-sexual physical touch. Mm -hmm. This has been on both of our minds, and we've talked about this quite Mm -hmm. a bit over the last year or so, especially during the pandemic. Obviously, we've all been in lockdowns for much of the last two years. We're coming out of the pandemic, kind of in quotation marks, but we're still kind of in this weird in-between stage where you know, we had two years where we weren't really touching each other. At all. I definitely noticed like when I meet new people, it's really odd to offer my hand and like shake their hand. Now I've like unlearned it.
0: Not elbow bumping anymore.
1: Yeah. But it got me thinking about the overall topic of physical touch in the context of the church and especially as singles in the church. I think anyone who's grown up in or spent a significant amount of time in the American evangelical church will tell you that when you're single and when you're not married, no one touches you. And it's very uncommon to get hugs, to get non-sexual, intimate physical touch, Mm -hmm. especially if you're a guy. Mm -hmm. And we're kind of in the middle of a real epidemic of lack of physical contact, I think, as a culture, and especially within the church. And I wanna talk about that with you today. And yeah. why we think that is. Absolutely. How we got here, what our own experiences have been, and also what do we do about it? How do we fix it? Yeah. What is the root cause of it, and why is it single straight white men? I'm kidding. <laughs> 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 kidding, kidding. Probably is, but no, we'll get there. Um,
0: <laughs> He's not wrong, guys. <laughs>
1: So why are we talking about this? Why is physical touch so important? Just to kind of give you listeners an understanding of this isn't just something that we're pulling out of our butts. Like this is an actual, this is studied. This is scientifically studied with Mm -hmm. many, many, many studies worldwide. And in my research for kind of just getting some background on what science says about touch to talk about this today One of the names that comes up over and over again is Dr. Tiffany Field. She's quoted all over the place. And she has been doing research on physical touch since the 1970s. And she's studied newborns. She has studied orphans in Romania. She has studied preschoolers and adolescents in Paris and Miami. And basically, what she and the rest of the scientific community will tell us is that touch is every bit as critical to us as food and water are. We need to be physically touched in order to develop appropriately. So this isn't this isn't just something that we've noticed as singles in the church and we want to complain about. There is a ser- serious issue with this, and scientists, particularly in the U.S., have done quite a bit of work to try to understand why it is that we seem to have this epidemic of a lack of physical touch. But before we get into more of the details around physical touch and why it's so important, I thought maybe I would start by asking, what has your experience been with physical touch in the church, either a lack of it or times when you have experienced it? What what comes to mind when you think about that within the context yeah. of church?
0: It's an excellent question. For some context, I'm a psychology student, and so I've done some studying on the effects of touch and on the human need for touch. And I think as you've mentioned before, it's a biological need that humans have. Children who aren't touched will die. Mm. We have that epidemic in Romania, all these children that were orphaned growing up and they weren't touched and they are incredibly developmentally Delayed or permanently disabled because of the lack of touch. Kelly McGonigal, who's a stress researcher, I did one of my first papers on her. She Mm talked about the stress response and how during the stress response, oxytocin is released. And oxytocin, as you know, is called like the cuddle hormone. It's got like this cute Mm -hmm. little, but it's designed to make us crave touch so that we will reach out for support. It is hardwired into our biological system in times of stress to reach out for touch. And so during the pandemic, I, like many others, was suffering. I lived for a a while. I lived downstairs from a family and I had two little nephews that I could see every so often, but then my job started to require that I quarantine from other people outside of work. And so for a really long time, I was going without physical contact. And for me, especially, I am a very physical touch oriented person. I crave physical contact. I feel the need for it more acutely maybe than a lot of other people. And so I I suffered. I got really depressed. I had to start taking massive amounts of antidepressants. I actually ended up in the hospital for a little mm. while and I, Probably the touch wasn't the only part of it, but it was a large part of it. I felt very Mm -hmm. isolated. I felt very alone. And while I was in the hospital, I remember one of the other patients hugged me. And then we were told by one of the techs that we weren't allowed to touch each other. And I just had a full on breakdown because I Mm. just missed being touched so much. And one, actually, this is a, a story from recently. I was just hanging out with one of my guy friends, a brother in Christ. He's a friend from my church. And we've been friends for five years going on. And he's one of the safest people I know. He's one of my best friends. Mm-hmm. And while we were talking, I just started to get really emotional, kind of like describing what I've been through this past year. It's been a really hard year. And he didn't hesitate. He just said, can I hold you? Mm-hmm. And he just did. And I just like sobbed and like his, you know, his shirt got all wet. And, <laughs> it, but I realized after that's the first time that any man has done that for me in the church, including my own father, which is mm-hmm. indicative of some bigger problems. But the, yeah. the fact being that it, it ministered to me so deeply and it made me realize, wow, touch is a really powerful thing, and when we offer it to each other as brothers and sisters, especially in the church, it can be literally life changing. And I'm not exaggerating when I say that yeah. you have no idea how much that can do for a person. Mm-hmm. So that has been that's been my experience in a nutshell.
1: Yeah, I can um, I can identify with. Quite a lot of that, you know, growing up um, in the church, I'd say my experience of it was similar in the sense that I I definitely didn't get as much touch as I wanted. And for me, you know, I I am a, a gay man. And so growing up within the church closeted or only being known to a very select group of close friends as someone who was struggling with that. I think one of the things that was really hard is I went through a lot of conversion therapy and reparative therapy growing up in the mm-hmm. church. I was, you know, went through more Exodus International counselors than I can count. And one of the, the big themes that is still echoed in the church today around the topic of homosexuality is they'll, they'll often say, well, you didn't have close enough and solid enough male relationships in your life that were Mm. non-sexual. You didn't have a a good enough bond with your father. You didn't have a close enough bond with your male friends. And what you need to do, dear little queer Christian, is you need to go out and you need to develop strong, healthy, non-sexual male relationships, and that will fix you. Mm. And I spent a good 15 years of my life trying to do that and craving close, non-sexual, intimate relationships with Mm. guys my age And because, you know, that's, we're wired for that, number one. Number two, I was being told to do that, to, you know, quote unquote, fix myself, fix my gayness. But then you quickly find in the church that that is just not available to you as a single person, and especially as a single man, whether you're gay or straight. There's a lot of homophobia is too simple of a word, but there's a lot Mm -hmm. of fear, I think, especially with men in the church, there's a lot of fear around showing affection or showing emotion or extending physical touch because they don't want to be perceived as weak or as gay or as too emotional. Mm-hmm. My challenge with it growing up was always like, hey, you're telling me I need this, but you're withholding it from me at the same time. <laughs> and it was really, really painful. The church like prescribes a solution for it and then withholds it from you. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I definitely can relate to just the lack of adequate physical touch mm-hmm. in the broader church for sure.
0: Uh, that make like my heart hurts for like little Matt that needed <laughs> that. And that makes me like want to go back in time and just like hug him. Hug yeah. that little baby. I'm so I know. sorry. It's,
1: well, the good news is, you know, I'm out and proud now <laughs> <laughs> And working on getting that non-sexual physical touch. So Mm -hmm. I think I'm definitely in a better place than I was, you know, 15 years ago. But one of the things that I came across in my research is I, I was, you see these old timey photos, you know, from the turn of the century that are all black and white and grainy. And you see photos all the time of men who are straight and who are, you know, posing together in what we would consider to be very intimate Poses. They maybe mm. they're holding hands. Maybe they one of them's got their arms around the other's shoulders, right? Yeah. And we kind of like every once in a while you'll see memes pop up where we like make fun of it out of our out of our cultural lens mm. today because that's just not considered appropriate anymore. But yeah, prior to World War II, that was actually really really common. You would have straight men who were showing affection in that way for each other totally non-sexually not gay at all and that really culturally shifted since the end of world war ii but i think i'm i'm continually struck by just how recently the culture shifted away from that and and how that's impacted us now like how different my life might have been had i been born even 70 years ago Mm -hmm. what are your thoughts
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think in particular, that's a very American thing. I remember Mm -hmm. being in South Africa about 10 years ago, visiting college students. And like the guys, they were like rubbing each other's backs. And like, Mm -hmm. they were they were very touchy with each other. And afterwards, we were debriefing as a team. And the guys were like, what was that? Like, what did we just witness? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, and they had asked people about it, you know, we had asked some of the college students about it and they're like, Oh, that's just, yeah. It's just how we like, like, that's how we live. That's life here. It's not, not anything special, you know, like those guys are friends and that's, that's how they behave. But we in America at all touch, like you said earlier, all touch is sexual. Now there's, Yeah, You know, whether between two men or between two women or between a female and a male, if you're touching each other, there's there's something else going on. It can't it can't be platonic. It can't be familial. It has to be Mm -hmm. sexual in nature, which is ridiculous.
2: We'll get back to the conversation in just a minute. First, I want to tell you about our Patreon community. If you're single and you've been in the church for more than approximately five minutes, you've probably noticed it's low to high key obsessed with marriage. This can make singles feel like outsiders in the community where we should feel most at home. That's why we've started a Patreon community. When you join our Patreon community, you get access to some awesome bonuses, like ad-free full interviews, bonus episodes, and a live monthly Q&A call. All you have to do is... Head to patreon.com unsuitable. Choose which tier is best for you and sign up. It's exhausting to feel like you're carving a path for yourself on your own. We're here to walk with you as you are, where you are. Tiers start at just $5 a month. Head to patreon.com unsuitable. I can't wait to see you there. All right, now back to the conversation.
1: One of the questions I would have for you coming from the female perspective, is I think that there is definitely in the wider culture there's a difference. I think women have a little bit more freedom to express affection between friends, you know, both inside and outside of the church. Like mm-hmm. it's, you know, we don't think anything of it if two straight women are walking down the street like holding hands, you know, like as friends, right? Yeah. I'm curious what your experience with that has been in particular inside the church. Like do you do you think it's actually easier for women or is it just different? Is are there just mm-hmm. different hurdles?
0: That's a good question. And this is from my perspective and in my experience, receiving touch from other women has never been a problem. Mm. So yes, in that that women in 21st century Western culture were naturally seen, I guess, as more relational, more nurturing, and so we can walk around like hugging each other for minutes on mm-hmm. end, touching each other, like rubbing somebody's back or like stroking their arm or holding mm-hmm. their hand. And it's not looked down upon. So I think in that way, I could say, yes, it is, it is easier for us because we can get that with each other. I think where my unique struggle has been is that women alone can't fill that gap. Women need Mm -hmm. healthy touch from men in their lives. We need brothers. So that story that I told about that brother who offered that really healthy, brotherly, safe touch for me, that I'd never had that before. And like, that breaks me. That has not been a neutral effect on my life that has been deeply hurtful to feel like a pariah with men, to feel like a threat. So as a single woman, that's a unique way where maybe it's more difficult to where I can't be alone with a married man, let Mm. alone be touched by one or like be seen talking to one In public. Yeah. But definitely, as a single woman, as far as it relates to men, straight men, Mm -hmm. married men in particular, that is a massive difficulty, that struggle, that feeling as if my very existence is threatening. Yeah. And so, that need for touch or for relationship with my brothers is seen automatically as, oh, She's trying to get these men to commit infidelity because, again, yeah, ed- everything is seen as sexual. Any intimate, mm-hmm. emotional, mental, physical connection that is not with your spouse in the church is seen as unsafe. And so mm-hmm. there is no space for single people to get that in a healthy way. So, yeah, that's been my female experience. What about you?
1: Oh, boy. I mean, yeah, it's a good segue into like, one of the, I think one of the clear root causes that we can cast some of the blame on, which is purity culture, right? Mm. Like, and you kind of alluded to it, but like the Billy Graham rule, essentially, of, you know, never be alone with a woman who's not your wife, right? Mm -hmm. And I think one of the things that I always thought was funny or odd growing up in the church as... Somebody who, you know, at the time would have described themselves as quote unquote same sex attracted, right? Like that's Mm -hmm. the lingo in the church. I had good, really close male friends who were married. And I, I do remember one in particular where I was coming over to their house to like have dinner with them after work one day. And I ended up getting to the house before my friend did. So, you know, I'm texting him as I'm getting close and I'm like, Hey, I'm almost there. And he responds back immediately. Like, Ooh, I'm not home yet. So maybe if you could like walk around the block, you know, just so you're not at home alone with my wife. Um, and yeah. And, and I, I, the, here's the funny part is like, this friend knew that I was gay. Right. And, but still there's this bizarre, like, and at the time I, I didn't, push back or anything. Cause I was, Oh yeah, mm-hmm. of course. Yeah. Above reproach, right. Above reproach. Can't, can't, can't do anything that would could be seen as, but it, there was a piece of me inside that was like, really, dude, really? What? Like the last thing that you need to worry about is coming <laughs> onto your wife. Like, come <laughs> on. And that always, I, I always just thought that was really odd. I had one friend in particular, I remember who she, we were at a, a party of a bunch of people from church at someone's house and she needed to go home before everybody else could go home. And there was a a married guy that was leaving at the same time as she was. And she asked if she could have a ride because it was dark. It was late. She didn't want to be walking through the city on her own. And this married man said, no, I'm not going to give you a ride home. That That wouldn't be appropriate because you're not my wife. And instead he made her walk Alone through the dark in the city, and it's just like it, it's it's a, it's a great example of ah. where we've put these bizarre rules in place as a church that we say are for people's safety,
2: mm-hmm.
1: but we're actually harming people more than we're helping them. And I think that's a Absolutely. perfect example of that of where you know you're you're saying you're trying to keep your wife safe or keep your you know really what it is about is it, it's keeping himself safe, right? Mm-hmm. And at at the expense of of a woman who needed to be and wanted to be protected on her way home. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think it's just purity culture is just the gift that keeps on giving a enormous <sighs> steaming turd that yeah. just, <laughs> just never stops.
0: The thing about this too, is purity culture doesn't even protect from the thing that it set out to protect from in the first place. Exactly. There's still, rampant sexual abuse in the church. Mm-hmm. And I would argue even more so because we're not allowed to touch each other. These mm-hmm. men, and I, I am in no way excusing sexual assault or sexual abuse or, or any of that. It's never excusable. Mm-hmm. It's never okay. And the people who participate in it. The people who commit those crimes should be punished and we should not tolerate them in the church the way that we have. Mm-hmm. However, the way that we have tried to mitigate that problem or even cut it off at the root has made it spread where we aren't allowing people the leeway to get that healthy, safe, intimate but non-romantic, non-sexual touch from people who either aren't their spouses or people who yeah. are, you know, single, who don't have spouses can get mm-hmm. it elsewhere. And you see that in some people, in, in everyone, it, it surfaces in unhealthy ways. Mm-hmm. And so infidelity is still happening. Sexual yeah. abuse is still happening. It's not doing what what we thought it would do. It's making the problem worse. Yeah. The Billy Graham rule doesn't work. Right. <laughs> making women out to be a threat to men and to marriages everywhere doesn't work. I think it exacerbates the problem. I think it's making it a lot worse rather than better.
1: Because what do you do when you're, you know, when you're the woman who has been abused or has been taken advantage of in some way by men in the church? Like, who do you then go to? Because yeah. you can't have a meeting alone with the pastor in privacy, right? right. Like, you can't meet with the deacons. Mm-hmm. So who do you go to? What? Who? Are you, who are you supposed to? And yeah. you know, I, like the recent Matt Chandler fiasco is just mm. one of those many examples where it's like there. There's all this effort being put around protecting him and not her. yeah. And like this, this had to have been, I mean, for those of you who don't know what's going on, just Google it, but it's a hot mess. One of the reasons that it came out was because one of her friends, this woman's friends were like, Hey, something's like, this doesn't look appropriate. And, mm-hmm. and immediately, you know, there's, there's this, like the, the wagons are circled And I don't, there's some, I, I've got to stop before I start screaming, but (laughs) it's the PR, the PR of it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Of, you know, and the immediate outpouring of like grace for Matt Chandler and support and and support for Matt Chandler. And it's like, where, what about her? Like who's taking care of her? Mm -hmm. And I have a feeling that there's more to the story than has been put out there because, again, like the friends noticed what was going on and they're not even on these text threads. Mm-hmm. And it makes me very angry that the over-sexualization of everything does not protect the people that it should protect. Instead, it's protecting the people who have the imbalance of power on their side.
0: Um, I don't know if this is safe to say on the air but in my in my own history i have a background of sexual abuse mm-hmm. i was abused in this way several times growing up mm-hmm. never in the church thank god by men it, all mm-hmm. all men and i still crave healthy touch from my brothers mm-hmm. in the church it's still a deep need That I have. And so I would say, even in a church that is plagued with this ghost of sexual abuse, we still need to figure out how to take steps toward each other for safe, intimate, platonic touch. We can't shy away from it because we're afraid of how it might be perceived. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, it's not hard to not be creepy. Like it's not hard to not be weird with women. Like we talked about dismantling purity culture is going to be how we kind of step forward into that. And I just, I feel for the women, but I also, my heart breaks for the men who have been taught that the only way to get their needs met, is through a sexual relationship. Mm. And that's a wider problem that we have in the church that singles aren't getting their needs met because we have been fed the lie that the only way to get our emotional, physical, spiritual, mental needs met is within a marriage relationship. Yeah, And so people who can't have that are trying to find it elsewhere. And not only is it not working for them, it's wreaking havoc and damage on other human souls. And that is a tragedy.
1: Yeah. What you just said makes me think of one of the things that I came across while I was researching for this episode. And Dr. Field, I don't remember if it was a study that she participated in or that she was just quoting, but she was talking about how they, there have been studies done with monkeys Hmm. where they have put monkeys in an enclosure that's divided down the middle with plexiglass that has you know, holes in it so air can go through. Mm. So the monkeys can see each other, they can hear each other, and they can smell each other, but they can't touch each other. Mm. And what they have found is that when they do that to monkeys and they separate them from being able to exercise physical touch, they get violent. They get increasingly aggressive, and it can even get to the point that once they lift that plexiglass, the monkeys kill each other. And it makes me think about going back to the the photo trail of like affectionate male platonic relationships. Mm-hmm. That photo trail takes a really sharp U-turn right after World War II, mm-hmm. right up until World War II. You have all these photos of, you know, quote unquote, band of brothers, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, coworkers, whatever in, in very, you know, affectionate platonic poses. Mm-hmm. And as soon as the war is over, it stops. And it makes me wonder well, first of all, like now the funny if you if you look at go look at photos now of soldiers, you know, who are in the same unit in battle. Mm. And com- and compare those to like the Civil War. And if you look back at soldiers that were in the same unit in civil war in the Civil War, they're they're in these again very what we would consider very intimate, very, very affectionate poses. Mm -hmm. They're touching each other. Their arms are around each other and not just like standing, like they're embracing each other in a way that almost looks sexual to us now. Mm -hmm. If you look at photos of soldiers today, what's the common pose? They're standing side by side, not even touching each other, arms crossed, or they're holding a gun, right? Mm -hmm. And it's a completely different image now that we have of this, you know, quote unquote band of brothers. And it makes me think Is there something that we can learn from those experiments with monkeys where, you know, you've got, Mm -hmm. if I think back to what was going on in the wider culture after the war, you've got all these men who have come home from the war where they've had these extremely close and very, you know, intimate friendships with their, their units. Mm -hmm. They come home, they get married, they buy a house, you know, they're on the GI bill, getting a college degree or whatever. They're raising families.
0: The rise of the nuclear family.
1: The rise of the nuclear family. And suddenly they're completely cut off from what was essentially their family through the whole war. They're completely cut off from healthy male affection that's Mm non-sexual. And their Mm -hmm. only source of any kind of touch or affection is their wife. And I have to wonder if something in our male American cultural psyche snapped Mm -hmm. after that. And if, if this all kind of goes back to, I think of the monkeys where they lift the plexiglass and the monkeys start tearing each other apart because they don't, because they're so starved for it. Right. And we, we, yeah. there's the, all these wider conversations happening around quote unquote toxic masculinity mm-hmm. and what are the roots of that and and what do we do to mm-hmm. fix it? And, you know, not to say that men are the, like the only source of the issue or that men or that fixing the issue with men fixes it for everybody. Mm-hmm. But I think that, There's an an immense amount of healing that the church could be leading the way in, in the wider culture around affectionate, platonic friendships for both men and women Yeah, that the church is just not doing. The church Mm. is not pushing back on what's happened in the culture.
0: I think you touched on something really important that I want to make sure that we highlight, and I don't think we've talked about it yet, but homophobia is a part of it yeah and we do we do need to address that there is definitely an aspect of because now all touch is considered sexual all physical touch mm-hmm. is considered sexual and because homophobia is so rampant in the church and in culture we see people now theologizing we we look at the old testament at these close intimate friendships you know Jonathan and David Jesus and the apostles, for heaven's sake, like the, the apostle John, like leaning over on Jesus during the last supper. And we look at that and we think, oh, there are people saying that, oh, they were, they were lovers, obviously, Mm -hmm. like, because Mm -hmm. they had this, this relationship to the point where people even saying, no, they were, they were friends. This is how friendship works. Yeah. And then people saying, well, now you're just you're trying to like hetero wash history that these people who were who were obviously gay for each other because we see how like physically intimate they were. Now you're just denying the facts. And it's like yeah. we- <laughs> <laughs> So now we're now we're being homophobic by just asking that people acknowledge that. Physical intimacy can be platonic, like, yeah. oh my gosh, have you? There's this vine. And now we're getting into meme culture, but the, <laughs> the two bros chilling in a hot tub, five feet apart, because they're, they're not gay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. Like, that's a great example.
0: But they've got to stay there
1: because
0: if yeah. they're touching, they're gay. Like, yeah, I, mm. yeah. right. So that unholy marriage of purity culture and homophobia, I think, mm-hmm. is making making it particularly worse again. And uh, for for men in the church, like for single men, like let's just be honest that that they can't even go beyond like just like backslap release hugs, or yeah. people are like they're getting a little bit too chummy over there. Like that's kind of uncomfy. That's sad
1: or the only way that they can express it is like within a certain set of controlled violence. Like mm-hmm. I think of sports, mm-hmm. right? Like you got football players that slap each other's butts and it's like, Oh, you know, it's all good, bro. No homo. And it's like, it's safe in that context because there's this aggressive, like yeah. touchdown, you know, like <laughs> <laughs> tackle, like let's fights <laughs> climb on top of each other in a big pile. And like all the gay guys are like, Oh, it's my dream. Uh, <laughs> But but it, it's, it's this really bizarre – you see these little glimpses of it, I think, in the culture where, the you know, your, your cishet men group is, like, craving and crying out yes. subconsciously mm-hmm. to have this need met. And I think it shows mm-hmm. up in places like sports yeah. where it's the only safe space to do mm-hmm. that, but it's always coupled with aggression.
0: I think, yeah. And men – they need it from each other and they need it from women too and i think that that's mm-hmm. something that we don't we kind of take for granted i know again as a single woman in the church i struggle with this lie that my brothers don't need me mm-hmm. especially the married ones because i and i've had conversations with married friends and some of them good god some of them yeah they have this belief that it's like well he's married so he's got all of his physical emotional mental needs met by his wife. He doesn't really Mm -hmm. need any other women in his life. He doesn't need sisters. He doesn't. And it's just, it's a lie. Yeah. And I, I think we don't, men don't know now how to get those needs met in a way that's healthy. And so they're being weird around women. Like they don't Mm -hmm. know, they don't know how to relate to women, Without a sexual relationship. And so mm-hmm. they are sexualizing women and they are getting into all of this trouble because they haven't been told or shown that it is possible and healthy to have platonic familial relationships with other women yeah it's only appropriate with your wife and if you are even having an emotional connection with another woman you are committing infidelity mm-hmm. and it's made us afraid of each other yeah and I don't know what to do with that
1: yeah I mean it's probably a good segue into like the last topic which is where do we go from here like mm-hmm. what do we what do we do what should the church be doing you kind of made me spark a thought in my head as you were just talking now I think that Well, first of all, I think the church has no business trying to tell single people to be content in their singleness or to, you know, just accept the quote unquote gift of single celibacy when the church is doing nothing to make it possible for single people to get their emotional and physical needs met Mm
0: -hmm. in a
1: healthy platonic way, period. Like, Amen. Dear you? Dear church, like, stop talking about the honor of the gift of singleness if you're not going to make it safe and healthy for your single people to have all their needs met. Mm-hmm. Like, stop talking about it. I don't want to hear yeah. it anymore. I'm done with the hypocrisy. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's thought number one. But the second thought is, I, I think this is ironically and tragically for the church, I think it's Yet another area where, and I I beat this horse until it's so dead, but I'm going to continue beating the horse, is the church is missing out on such an amazing opportunity to learn from not just its singles, but its queer singles. Mm -hmm. Because teaching men to give and receive affection in a platonic way that's not sexualized is something that I've only experienced within gay culture outside of the church. Mm. the cultural stereotype right is that like all of us gay guys are just constantly at each other's all over each other and that's not (laughs) true ironically like i think i have learned more about healthy platonic touch from my gay male friends than i have from anyone else in my life because there's there's not a you know we're both gay already so there's no there's no like fear that oh what if what if we're perceived as gay if we mm-hmm. you know like if the hug lasts too long and then they know that we're gay you know <laughs> it's like no we're we're both gay we don't just because we're both gay doesn't mean that we you know want to jump in the sack together that's not how right. it works it doesn't work that way with straight people so i don't know why straight people think that that's how we gays operate but mm-hmm. i i've learned a ton about and received far more healthy physical touch from my gay friends outside the church than I ever did inside it. And I think if the church would learn something from its queer singles, I think that's one of the lessons that queer singles can teach the rest of the church.
0: Absolutely, That is telling, isn't it? And for me as well, I think the healthiest, most intimate relationships that I've been able to have have been with people who aren't religious. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's none of that baggage or that fear for them. Some of my my closest friends, is a friend I have from high school and her partner and we can have these awesome talks and she's not afraid to leave me alone with him and like he's not afraid to hug me. Like there's just mm-hmm. they don't have ghosts. Yeah. And I think in, in the church, we have ghosts and Mm -hmm. we need to work on exercising those things together. And I think you're right, like that we have so much to learn from the queer community and from queer singles. And like you said, as the church, we cannot tell single people to be content. We cannot tell our gay brothers and sisters The only way that you can find spiritual, emotional, and physical intimacy, the only way to get your needs met is to get married. Oh, but you can't get married, by the way. Yeah. You're not allowed. And, oh, hey, surprise, surprise. We don't have any uh, alternatives for you. We don't have family outside of that because sexual intimacy is the only thing that matters in the end. Mm -hmm. We've really put ourselves in a bind
2: Mm-hmm.
0: and mm-hmm. people are leaving the church in droves and we have this misconception. I'm seeing it all over the place where people are like, well, they're just leaving because they want to sin. And it's like, no, they're leaving because you haven't given them what you're supposed to be giving them. You haven't given them yeah. what Amen. is promised. You, you aren't a Preach. family. The church is a family. Jesus Christ, Called us a family. He made us a family, and we're not functioning Mm. as one. Why do you think people are leaving to find that elsewhere? Like, why wouldn't they? Why wouldn't they leave to find that elsewhere? That is our deepest need. Yeah. Oh. We need to get it somewhere, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. The model that the church keeps sticking to with like white knuckle abandon is not working.
0: Mm. No.
1: Um. And I think you said it exactly right. Like. I think what's really tragic is that the the mass exodus that's happening from the church, especially from people in our age group right now, like you said, is because they are not finding the Jesus that is spoken so much about, you know, that the church says that it loves so much. They're not finding him there.
0: No.
1: And they're not finding the family that's promised. They're not finding the love that's promised. And instead of taking that, as constructive criticism. Mm -hmm. What's instead happening is that the church is doubling down on on this these these tactics and these these ways of thinking that clearly do not work. Yeah. And I'm super worried about the future of the church in America. Like I Mm -hmm. you know I'm not worried about the church as a whole because it's much bigger than the American church, but it's really sad. It's really, really sad.
0: Yeah. Our version of Christ likeness for single people is be married or dead before you turn
1: 35. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So what do we do, Matt?
1: (laughs) What do we do? Well, we put ourselves in such a bind. I don't think that there is a way out of this Mm. without some really awkward vulnerability. Mm. Like I, I think we have, we have, tied ourselves into such an emotional knot and put ourselves in such an emotional prison that I don't see a way out of it, except to have to force ourselves to do stuff to create vulnerability. And like mm. this, sound, I, I mean, this sounds really stupid, but like what my mind went to immediately was like the classic exercise of the 22nd hug. Right. Which people may have heard of where it, They say that 20 seconds is basically how long it takes to kind of activate that sort of sense of closeness, that sense of intimacy. It's a long enough hug that it's like, Ooh, this feels, this feels close, you know, but it's not so long that it's unbearably awkward. I think about that a lot. Mm -hmm. I've also, I don't know if you've ever had to, I've had to do this as part of therapy once. I don't know if you've ever had to do the exercise of holding eye contact with someone without speaking for 60 seconds.
0: Yes. Yeah. It's a powerful experience when you get past the initial awkwardness, like you said.
1: Yeah. And you know, I hate to throw what seem like quote unquote like stupid ideas like that out, but I don't really know how else to teach ourselves what vulnerability is and what intimacy is without stepping into really awkward exercises like that anymore, yeah. you know? Like I don't I don't know how to talk to my sis friends in the church Mm-hmm. who are like still really deep in this whole purity culture that I don't know how to teach them what I've learned about intimacy without making them do something like that. Yeah. And it feels very inadequate because it's such mm-hmm. a tiny, it, it feels so stupid to say like, well, we can fix the culture if we just stare at mm-hmm. each other for 60 seconds, but baby steps. It's baby steps. Yeah. yeah. And I think maybe, you know, for the listeners out there, your homework is to go and hug one of your friends of the same sex for 20 seconds.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Or go hug someone that, you know, if you're a woman and you, you need that brotherly effect, like go hug one of your brothers in Christ for 20 seconds.
0: Mm-hmm. Consent is key. Do ask
1: first. Consent. Yes. Do ask. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> The only way to make it work or the only way to learn it is to start to do it. And it's going to be super awkward and super weird because we place all of this baggage on it. But I think that the more that we do it and the more that we see like, oh, oh, wow, I hugged my brother in Christ and we didn't immediately have sex. Like (laughs) maybe, right? like maybe, maybe with time we will start to learn that there are you can express affection in a platonic way. And it doesn't mean that you're hopping into bed with somebody.
0: May it be, Jesus. I, yeah, no, I agree. It's going to be vulnerable. It's going to be awkward. And I think something to keep in mind is not everybody is going to be receptive. Mm. I've had friendships that have had to end, not necessarily over the physical intimacy aspect, but just because they refused to come to terms with what it would mean to create belonging and intimacy safely for singles in the church. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't spend any more of my life trying to get them to come around. Yeah. And so when you know that people aren't going to be receptive, when you know that they're not going to accept it or make movements towards you as you move towards them, then don't waste your time and energy trying to mm-hmm. make that happen. You have people in your life who will move towards you, I think is the important thing to remember. And you can pursue that with them.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I do want to encourage people who are like, oh, I feel weird. I feel awkward. You can just you could start by having conversations with your friends. You can say, Hey, Mm -hmm. I've been noticing this lack, this need that I have in my life for more healthy touch. Like, would you be willing to hug me? Like whenever I see you, I did this with my pastor for a long time because he is not a touchy person. I would ask Mm -hmm. him after we were done, you know, with a meeting or talking or something, I would say, can I hug you? Mm -hmm. And eventually, after enough times of me asking him that like he would go ahead and initiate the hug himself because he knew that that Mm -hmm. was something that I wanted and that I was going to ask for if he didn't. And that was so powerful for me, like to kind of take that initiative and to realize if I ask for it, like people will give it more often than not. I have a roommate that doesn't like to be touched. And so there, again, that's an example of some people aren't going to be receptive and that's okay Mm -hmm. Um, because like, the thing to remember is there are people in your life who will be.
1: Yeah.
0: And I love those ideas. The 22nd hug, the 22nd eye contact, and also just opening up a dialogue for those conversations and asking, especially your married friends being like, Hey, I need more hugs from my brothers. Like, would you guys be able or willing to offer that to me? Mm -hmm. And if not, why? (laughs) Why? Yeah. Like why in your marriage is there not space for your husband or your wife to hug other people? Why is there an automatic assumption that that's being unfaithful? Let's talk about that. Mm. Let's have that conversation. In other words, let's move towards being a family. Yeah. Cause we say that we are like, let's actually be one. Right.
1: Oh, oh, that is, I think that is the best note that we can end on. And I think that those are some amazingly practical and excellent tips. It starts with a conversation. It starts with stating what you need. It's a good takeaway for all of us. Anna, this has, as always, been an absolute delight.
0: Yes. Yes. Always (laughs) so good to talk to you. (laughs)
1: tell tell the people listening where they can find you on the interwebs
0: yes so i am on instagram at single life all one word you can find me on twitter i think my handle there is anna isabel but with ones instead of L's. And that's more of my personal account. But like, I'd be happy to connect with y'all over there. It's mostly just Taylor Swift and Star Wars. So if you're into that kind of thing.
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs> but,
0: but for connecting over Singles in the Church, you're going to find all of that over on Single Hearted Life on Instagram. And I would love to see you guys over there. We're going to be doing some some new things there over the next couple of months.
1: So I'm excited for it. Love it. So exciting. And my name again is Matt Linden. You can find me on Instagram at Matt Linden, uh, all one word. L I N D E N is how you spell my last name. Or you can read my blog over at crossingblog.com,
0: which is excellent.
1: It's almost done. I, for oh. those of you that don't know, I'm, I'm telling the story of what it was like growing up gay in church. And it's almost done. We're going to wrap it up by the end of the year. And then I'm
0: going to destroy your life in the best way. <laughs>
1: in the i chest. hope in the best way <laughs>
0: my my heart is getting ripped out of my chest every single time it's so good guys
1: <laughs> it's been great therapy for me that's for sure but thank you guys so much for listening this has been another episode of unsuitable and we will see you next time bye bye
2: have you ever wanted to start your own podcast podcasting is a great way to expand your reach online Buzzsprout makes it easy to get started. If you follow the link in the show notes, you can get a $20 Amazon gift card if you sign up for a paid plan, and you can help support the show at the same time. Thanks for listening. If you're enjoying the show, please take a minute to rate and review. To stay up to date on all things unsuitable, follow me on Instagram or TikTok at maryb.saferit, or subscribe to my weekly newsletter at marybesaferit.com. Unsuitable is produced by Studio Aplum. Sound engineering is by me, Mary B. Saferit. And the theme music is by Chad Rollinson. That's all for now. Catch you on the Flippity Flop.